Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Podcast. Today, we're talking MetaMask. That's right. The plugin is removed. And then we have Coinbase with some interesting news regarding their accusations. What? And then finally, in the main topic, we're discussing a decentralized future. What does that mean? Will one day we wake up and the future will be decentralized? I can only dream. Until then, Thriller Podcast, starting now. And welcome to another exciting episode of Thriller Podcast. Today is July 25th, 2018. So MetaMask, the Google plugin that we all love and know to get to our crypto kitties, <laughs> has been removed from the Chrome store. What? Yeah, it has. So the popular Chrome plugin has suddenly disappeared from browser's web store. Everybody thinks it's because of the way it was tagged when it was created. They put crypto in there, they put Ethereum, they put Bitcoin, all the red flags these days to get wiped from Google's Play Store, right? So there's no word either from MetaMask team or Google as to why this happened. But MetaMask just come out and say that all other browsers aren't affected. So if you're using Brave Browser, which I highly recommend because it's actually a really good browser. If you're using Brave Browser, you can actually download MetaMask on there and use it and earn BAT while you're at it. Um, another thing I will mention, though, this just came out late, is that people are or somebody has already submitted a fake MetaMask plugin, of course, because they want to steal people's Ethereum. So if you see MetaMask on the Chrome store and you were looking to download it, don't download it. Don't download it from the Chrome store. Wait until MetaMask actually says they've released it and gives you a direct link to it. Um, for more information, go to MetaMask underscore IO on Twitter. Um, that's the best advice I'd give. But honestly, you should be using Brave at this point if you're using MetaMask. I wouldn't use Google right now because if, if it's hacked, dude, like if somebody created, somebody throws a fake plugin and you log into it, they steal all your Ethereum, like your SOL. So don't do it. Just want to give you a heads up on that. Next up, we got Coinbase. So Coinbase has been cleared of insider trading accusations after investigation. So this is funny because remember we had Coinbase's Bitcoin Cash debacle in December of last year. I don't know if you remember that. Everybody was calling it. It was, it was supposed to be the biggest, <laughs> the biggest insider trading bust in crypto. Well, apparently they've come back and they said there's zero results of that. So as Fortune has learned, Coinbase representatives have stated that the multiple month investigation, which was conducted by two established U.S. based law firms, was concluded as of last week, according to unnamed sources who are familiar with the matter. And an internal lawyer held a company wide meeting last week to discuss the end result of the investigation. Basically, they said we would not hesitate to terminate an employee or contractor or take appropriate legal action if evidence showed our policies were violated. Interesting. So they actually went on a whole six-month-long debate on the Coinbase cash listing as it continued, and the firm initiated the insider trader inquiry following the addition of Bitcoin Cash. So it looks like Coinbase actually did the right thing and got other an outside source involved just so they wouldn't look like they were hiding anything, right? That's a smart thing to do. Brian Armstrong said, given the price increase in the hours leading up to the announcement, we will be conducting an investigation into this matter. If we find evidence of any employee or any contractor violating our, prints, our policies, Directly or indirectly, we would not hesitate. Yeah, they sell that stuff. But honestly, this is a good move on their part. They got cleared, so they're good to go. But honestly, come on. Come on. I mean, it's one thing like it's one thing like I used to work at this place. I'm not I won't say what it is, but you know, when I worked at that place, you always heard stuff in the halls like before you know, something would happen. And this was like a big company, like a really big company. And you would always hear things in the halls before it would happen. I'm sure every single one of y'all has that same kind of experience working at wherever you work at. You hear stuff in the halls before it actually happens. And then it happens. And then you're like, what? And people are, some people are like, what? Other people are like, oh, I knew that. Because people talk, people talk and they can't help it. And it just happens. It's just the way it is. So I don't fault Coinbase for it. You know, I, I feel like it's something they can't control. They can try, 
but you can't control people's lips, you know? Um, next up is some amazing news, actually. And this is some really good news. The last piece of news we have for today. New Deal with Transfer2 brings Stellar XLM to over 70 countries. That's right. Transfer2 partners with Stellar.org to bolster international money transfers. So they announced that they are partnering with Stellar.org to further enhance the way in which money is transferred across borders, which this collaboration of financial institutions and partners of both Stellar.org and Transfer2 will benefit from the combined network coverage and be able to leverage new technologies to send and receive money more efficiently in more than 70 countries. Stellar is a distributed and open source blockchain platform that connects diverse financial systems and facilitates cross-asset transfers of value around the world. Damn. So the chief customer officer at Transfer2 has said, we always aim to be at the forefront of the payments industry. And by partnering with Stellar, our goal is to trial the blockchain technology and scale our cross-border payment service to better serve our partners and reduce costs. This can enable our partners to better serve both the migrant workers sending money home and their families receiving it. And if you don't know, Transfer2 is a cross-border mobile payment system. Man, everybody's on them. It's kind of crazy. So Money Trans is on them, EcoCash is on them, IDT's on them, Carhill Bank is on them, Celium is on them, PNB is on them, Western Union is on them. <laughs> apparently, Ripple, <laughs> apparently Western Union said, you know what, Ripple, we just don't like your ledger. <laughs> We're going to Stellar. Western Union, PayPal, World Remit, like everything is using Transfer2 apparently. I learned that today. I had no idea what Transfer2 was until today. And that was surprising to me. I was just like, what? This is big. Like, this is not just kind of big. This is big. This is as big as a partnership as the IBM one was last year. And you know what's funny? Because the IBM one kind of snuck up on us. I remember hearing about it last year and it took me a couple days to, and we, we did a podcast episode on it. Go back and listen to season one. Um, we like talked about it and we said how big it was and we knew how big it was, but it still took time for them to implement it all. And now we see all the benefits that IBM is providing now with Stellar. All these partnerships are because of IBM. IBM is going out there and getting these partnerships. I'm sure Stellar is doing some of them, but for the most part, IBM is the talking face for, for the Stellar Foundation when it comes to making these banking partnerships. At least that's what Jen has said in the past, right? And this is really big because they're they're looking into this. They're going to trial it out. They're going to see if the seller, seller network works for them. They're going to see what they can build out. And once they have these trials, and if it turns out that it's cheaper and faster to do it this way, then they're going to release it. Probably in the small little spaces, small little countries for right now, but it's going to scale over time. Um, I think this time next year, if everything goes as planned, this will be even bigger news because you'll see activity all across Stellar's network. And this is what this is what the whole mission is about for Stellar. They just want to give this out for anybody to use. That's why it's open source. And I think one of the big reasons why Ripple failed at doing this is because all there is is, all there is, is closed source. It's just a company trying to reach out one by one. And uh, people that are banks and people that are using these, these payment systems, they don't want to depend on one company owning the vast majority of, you know, remittance payments, you know? So in my opinion, it makes more sense to go with something that's more open source, at least from a, um, I would say even a legal standpoint and good on Stellar for making all this stuff happen, man. Like this is big news, but I think people won't realize the significance of this until next year. And at first it doesn't seem like it, but you know, it's kind of funny because as soon as this was released, the price of seller just went just went up. It got to thirty four cents today, and it's probably going to get to forty cents, honestly. Um, and then once it gets on Coinbase, it's going to go up even higher. At this point, we're about to pass EOS. So, if you're not holding Stellar, I think that's probably going to be one of the biggest mistakes you make this year, because um, you can literally catch a ride on the way up. And even if you're a, a collector or a trader, I mean, there's money to be made there. Um, as you know, we were big fans of Stellar on this podcast. We've we've been talking about them for over a year now. It was one that we picked early on. And honestly, a lot of people that are in our community hold Stellar too as well. And it's it's just a great project, man. They're doing everything the right way. I can't think of a better project that's doing it better than Stellar these days. They're just doing everything right. It's just the truth. With that, let's get into our interesting video of the day. That's right. Let's do it. Thriller Podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day.
right, ladies and gentlemen, today is a really good, interesting video. It's actually really good. This one, this one comes from Omar. Freaking love his channel. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's called Crypto. It's spelled Crypt Zero, but check it out. Um, yeah, love love what he does, and I'm glad to see that he finally had a, a person from, you know, from the crypto space to interview because I feel like he's a really good interview, and he does a really good job. He's very professional and interviewed Roger Veer. And it's really interesting because you, I've seen tons of interviews with Roger when we did the whole special for the podcast where we, we, covered, we covered Roger and who he was. And actually we've done two podcasts on him actually, the, the Bitcoin Jesus one from last season and then the one, or actually we did two last season. We haven't done one this year. Uh, but he's just an interesting character in the space. And, um, and I, I was kind of worried because I was like, okay, ho- I hope Omar does a really good job with the interview. There's a lot of interviews with Roger and, and I always feel like they do a really shitty job. <laughs> Not calling anybody out, but I, I feel like every interview that I've seen with Roger, they do a really poor job of getting act- actually really good information. Well, Omar did a really great job in this interview. There's two pieces. I've only seen the first one because I just don't have the time to watch both of them back to back, but they're really long. I highly recommend you check them out. But this piece is what Omar gets out of them. And this is what I love because Roger was there from the beginning, and that's one thing that people don't realize. He has so much knowledge of the early days of Bitcoin. Like, I would say him, maybe maybe like a couple other guys in this space have more knowledge than him, but he was there from the get-go, like from the get. And if, if I ever had Roger on the show, I would ask him, I would, I would want to find out the old stories <laughs> of everything and everyone and how it started who was in the space, what this person, what, like, I would want the inside scoop, right? Like, that's what I'm fascinated by. And I feel like Roger has that. He could tell you that, and he would tell you that, right? But check out this little clip. Omar does a great job. He gets it out of him. And this is the piece of nugget that I loved. I was watching in uh, one of my videos. Apparently, uh, Bitcoin was around 10 cents each, although I didn't manage to buy any until they were closer to a dollar each. So, but uh, I tried. It took it took a little bit of time back then. There was a. It was harder, I, right? <laughs> I sent the money to buy them to the personal bank account of Jed McCaleb, who was the owner of Mt. Gox before Mark Carpellis took it over from him. So that's. Uh, I didn't know that. That's how early, yeah. That's the Ripple guy, right? Yeah, and and now he's the Ripple guy, but then he had a falling out with Ripple, the company he started. So now he's the Stellar guy. So and uh, that's true. A really, that's really true. Guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's actually interesting. I'm going to take a quick side note because I've always wondered myself. So you, you actually invested in companies like Ripple early on. But uh, so where do you see banks in the future? Like, why did you make that decision as a voluntarist or somebody who might not necessarily even want the control that the Federal Reserve, central banks and banks have had before around in the future? Yeah. So a lot of people probably don't know. I actually put up the seed money to start Ripple. Uh, you could technically say I was the second person ever involved in Ripple. So Jed McCaleb, came to me in 2012, probably, maybe 2013, but I think it was 2012. And uh, he had an idea, and it, basically his thought was that Bitcoin mining was wasteful. And he thought he could come up with a, a version of Bitcoin that didn't need mining, so it could use way less electricity, but could do everything that Bitcoin could just as, you know, just as reliably and uncontrollably and, and all that sort of thing. So at the so time- So for like environmental reasons mostly? Yeah, for environmental reasons. And Bitcoin was like $2 each and like I was doing everything I could to give it traction in the world, but uh, it didn't have that much traction yet. The entire market cap was maybe, you know, 10 million bucks for the entire market cap, right? 10 million with an M, not billion with a B, right? Um, And uh, so I said, sure, no problem at all. But today, you know, it's even arguable if Ripple is a cryptocurrency because they can freeze your account right then and there. But when we started it, you know, the idea was just let's make Bitcoin without the mining required, which... Okay, sounded good to me. So, and then uh, that's the part, I guess, that has me the most frustrated with the whole scaling debate is the delay that is caused to cryptocurrency adoption worldwide. Um, and now all the governments are catching up, everybody's catching up, and they're trying to control this. And so, like, let's say a cryptocurrency, if you want to use that word, like Ripple, winds up getting the mainstream adoption that everybody's using. It's still better than the banking system we have today where they charge you 35 bucks to send a wire and it takes a couple of days and this and that. But it's and not they can that, freeze your account. Yeah, but it's not that much better because they can still freeze your account just like they can now. And for me, I want to see people being able to use a money that they have 100% complete control over and they don't have to get permission from anybody to do anything. And uh, today that's, you know, Bitcoin Cash has those characteristics. 
BTC has been morphed into, you know, a store of value. Well, that's great. You know, go ahead and store your value with it. But that doesn't have the ability to economically liberate people all over the world, uh, especially when the fees are, are as high as the Bitcoin core supporters want it to be. Um, so I guess anybody that's not a fan of Bitcoin Cash, I invite you to you know, read the original Bitcoin white paper that defines what Bitcoin is. They say it's a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. And if you read the whole white paper, it's very, very clear that it's much more closely describing Bitcoin Cash. It's not describing BTC. And I wish the BTC people all the luck in the world, but it seems very disingenuous for them to want to use the Bitcoin name while hating and despising the very white paper that defines what Bitcoin is. Uh, so, you know, I, I wish them good luck, but I, I think they've hijacked the the Bitcoin project and stolen the Bitcoin name. See, and and then towards the end, that's where Roger becomes Roger, right? This is why people, this is why people get upset with him, is because he goes a little too far on these things. I feel like, me personally, like I feel like whenever, whenever somebody's trying to build out a project, I feel like the less you talk about your project and the more you talk about how you're trying to create something for the masses, I feel like you're you're gonna be you're gonna be perceived a better way. And I feel like Roger does that backwards. That's my only nitpick. Uh, about him and if he ever came on the thrower podcast i would for sure hit him up on that and i would tell him i would be like hey this is what you should probably look at to to talking about instead of pushing the agenda always unfortunately but i love that first part of the clip where he actually talks about you know that he founded ripple i had no idea i didn't know they helped founded ripple i didn't even think he knew uh, jed Caleb at that time and uh, it's pretty interesting that he probably has 10 more stories exactly like that, that no one ever bothers to ask him for whatever reason. And I'm so happy Omar did because I feel like these are people that have been around in the early days and you need to get this information out there while it's still fresh in their minds because as time passes, all this information, all this history is going to be lost and this whole cypherpunk movement that started it all is just going to be something like folklore and you need to keep this alive. So... Um, good on Omar for getting this interview. I appreciate his inquisitive nature. And good on Roger for telling us a fucking great story. I love it. With that, let's get into our coin talk segment. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's looking green out there, and I love it. Let's do it. It is time. Only crypto, coins, trade, predictions ahead. It is what you spend all day wondering, isn't it? This crypto green. Only on Cointop. All right. All right. Let's get into Cointop. But before we do it, I got some exciting news, some really exciting news for y'all. So to all the Thriller Army people out there, if you're, uh, if you're signed up to our newsletter, you have a chance next was it wednesday i think it's wednesday is wednesday the first next wednesday yeah it's the first so next wednesday we're going to do our monthly giveaway that we always do every month where we give out crypto this time it's going to be two cryptos that we're giving out so check this out so we're going to do three people so three people are going to have the chance to win first i'm going to tell you <laughs> okay so second and third place you have a chance to win 500 trons a piece that's right i'm going to give out 500 trx's to the second and third place people that complete the task that i give you inside the newsletter and we're going to ship it right to you tron boom it's going to happen first place now this is first place you guys know i fucking love stellar i love stellar so much I love it so much. I love it so much. I don't want to part with any of it. I'm like Scrooge when it comes to my Stellar tokens. Seriously, I'm going to give out 200 Stellar coins. 200. I know, I'm crazy. Because that's literally going to be $400 at the end of the year. So I'm giving out $400 to the number one person that completes the task in the newsletter on Wednesday, next Wednesday. So let me repeat again. First place is going to get 200 stellar tokens xlms directly to your wallet for free just for being a part of the thriller army i'm going to send out the newsletter 
you fill out the tasks that I give you. Sometimes it's like tweet at me or sometimes it's like post on Facebook, something real simple. It's always something real simple. I'm going to do that for y'all. First place is going to get 200 seller tokens, which is probably going to right now they're 34 cents a piece. But here by the I, I like to I like to think it's probably going to get to a dollar for sure on Coinbase. Uh, I'm guaranteeing that. So that's 200 bucks for you right there. And then I would say probably by the end of the year, it could get anywhere between two or three dollars. And then if you hold if you hold that for the next two years or so, it could potentially be 15, 20 bucks. I'm not even joking. If we get to that trillion dollar market cap, sky's the limit for Stellar. I really believe that. So number one place is going to get 200 Stellar tokens, XLMs, send them right to you, right to your wallet, first place. And then second place, whack, 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 you're going to get TRX. It's still a good coin. It's kind of more of a gamble. It's like one of those where you're like wondering, because it, it could potentially, for sure, it could get to 20 cents by the year, for sure. Tron could get TRX and get to 20 cents, for sure, right? Um, I think maybe here in the next... You know, if he does everything right, like he's supposed to actually rolls everything out and creates this whole decentralized, you know, Internet that he wants to create. I think, you know, I think it could get to 85 cents. I think it could get close to a dollar by the end of the year. And if that's the case, then you get five hundred dollars right there for you. So that's what I'm saying. This is why it's good to be a part of the podcast and be a part of the Thriller Army and just hang out with us because we always give out giveaways like this. And it's all about giving back. So we're going to do that next Wednesday. I'll re- don't worry. I'll remind you again on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, or actually, we're only going to have Tuesday's episode. So I'll remind you again on Tuesday. And then by Wednesday, by Wednesday's show next week, I'm going to announce the winners because it's going to be it's going to happen already by that time. So just keep an eye out. We're going to release a newsletter that morning on Wednesday and uh, just complete the tasks. It's usually like tweet this, tweet that answer this it's like a question sometimes on facebook it's very easy but um i'm going to tell you what time i'm going to release it right now so that way no one no one can say oh i didn't know what time so we're going to release the newsletter at 8 a.m at 8 a.m on wednesday august 1st so everybody knows and that's central standard time so if you're on the other side of the world, I'm sorry, that's the time we're going to release it because last time we did it during the, the afternoon. So we're going to take turns kind of moving it around schedule so that way everybody has a chance, you know, if they're asleep or something, this way they have a chance. Um, so it's going to be at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, Wednesday, July 1st. That's when the newsletter is going to get released. And boom, yeah. So you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is see that email, complete the task. If you're the first one, you get 200 Stellars. XLMs. If you're second place, you get 500 TRXs, Trons. Third place, 500 TRXs, Trons. And yeah, I'm going to send them out to you. Just send me your wallet address through, you know, instant message. I'll tell you in the, in the newsletter and stuff. And that's just for being a part of the Thrill Army. That's for being a part of this whole podcast. That's for, you know, being, uh, you know, being involved in our community. Thank you. That's just a thank you from me to you. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I think that's all we got. Um, yeah, that's all we got. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, like to be honest with you, I'm like, man, that's a lot of stellar. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, no, that's gonna make somebody's day. Like it really is. Like I know if I got, I know if like my brother, me and my brother always talk on the phone about stellar all the time. We talk about other cryptos that we hold, and uh, I'm always like, I'll bet you this. I bet you, you know, this team will win for this many XLMs or something. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll bet you, you know. And it's it's kind of funny because sometimes he won't pay up. And I'm like, come on, you're supposed to pay up. We gambled. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, let's get into coin talk. But we got to play our disclaimer first, because if we don't play our disclaimer, then we can get in trouble by the SEC. In fact, they've already sent us a letter. They told us, hey, car, we're watching you, buddy. We're watching you. Make sure you play that disclaimer. And I said, OK, so I'll play it. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future. Even if he thinks he can, he is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. All right, so Bitcoin. That's right, Bitcoin is at $8,206. I woke up this morning. I saw it was pretty low. I just bought Bitcoin. I just bought it because I was like, it's going to get up higher. It has to. It has to hit 8400 again because we got we peaked that. We peaked that. So I was bullish on it. Uh, Ethereum's at 475. 
XRP is at 46 cents. Yeah, it's just been going down. It's been going down. I, I think all this news that's been coming out for XLM and Stellar lately, it's just like, it's killing the brand, man. It's killing XRP big time. And it, it has nothing to do with their technology or Ripple, the company. I feel like they're both solid. And David Schwartz, he knows what he's doing. We've covered them many times on this podcast. We've looked at everything. It, it looks legit. I think what's really holding them back are these partnerships. They don't have an IBM. They're stable that can go out and get these partnerships. I think also it, 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 it would help if they were more decentralized. Uh, we know for a fact that they aren't decentralized. Um and um, XRP, I feel like it, as a as a currency, if that's what they're trying to become, they need projects being built on their platform. And unfortunately, that's just not happening. And I know there's a lot of Ripple heads out there that are like, well, no, you're doing it all wrong. You're saying it all wrong. And that's not true. But when it comes to math, it doesn't lie. You know, that's one thing I like about cryptocurrency. And that's one thing I've always liked about this whole coin market cap. Well, I'm not talking coinmarketcap.com. I'm talking about like coinmarketcap. It's one thing I love about it is because you can actually see the proof is in the numbers. It's all right there. Like the whole market cap is at 300 trillion right now. 300 trillion. We haven't been to 300 trillion since May when we had that we had that whole half a half a trillion dollar uh, goal that I set we were going to hit. And then the SEC came out that week and fucked us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, but it's true. They did. They the, after it, we're so close to half a trillion, we're we're coming back up, and then boom, consensus came out, and then the SEC just shit on the entire thing, and it fucked everything up. It really did. Uh, but it's fine. It, it, regulation needed to happen. It was just the way it was going to go. Everything. I think they all knew it, and I think that's why people were sh- shorting Bitcoin. That's fine. But. Um, I think now everything, the dust has kind of settled a little bit. Everybody knows what's a cryptocurrency and what's a security now. You know, it's laid out. It's laid out in full force. And right now it's looking like XRP is sitting in the security land. And a lot of people are out there trying to say, you know, because, you know, I'll, I'll read different articles about this. And, you know, some of this stuff I feel like is just incorrect. And the only reason I say it's incorrect is because it's incorrect. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, It'll likely only be banned in American, you know, exchanges. And if it is a security, these exchanges are going to be able to sell securities at a certain point. And yeah, that's true. They will be able to. But I feel like that kind of adoption for other exchanges is going to take a really long time. I don't think that's going to happen overnight. I think that's going to take at least two or three years before we start seeing Coinbase selling actual securities. I'm talking about when I say securities, I mean actual like stocks, like security stocks, because eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have like a square or you're going to have a Facebook come out with their own kind of tokenized, you know, stock. And that's going to be a label to security. And I think Ripple, if they don't, you know, fulfill Wall Street's promise and go out there and try to, you know, release their own stock, they're going to try to implement XRP in some way to do that. I don't know how that's going to work, but I, I do know that in the short term, XRP is not looking good. It's just not. Unfortunately, I just I'm just looking pure at numbers, man. The numbers say it all right here. People are dumping it, and the num- numbers are also saying that it's losing its market cap. I mean, Bitcoin Cash was severely behind it. Now it's at 14 trillion. We have XRP at 18 trillion and EOS at 7 trillion. And guess who's right behind EOS at this point? We already passed Litecoin. We got up to 6300 6, trillion today market cap that's amazing dude it literally went up 13 percent, 14 percent in a matter of fucking hours it's crazy it looks like they're gonna take fifth place seller's gonna take fifth place and if it keeps if it keeps treading along the same trend line and when coinbase happens it could take fourth place as well this is this is serious guys like this is serious 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 stuff we haven't seen something like this since Bitcoin Cash last year, to be honest with you. It's the last time we see something climb up so fast. XRP did as well, but that's that's losing value here every day, um, just in volume. And um, yeah, the market cap as well, too. Uh, people are realizing that the, the goals that the Ripple company set out to achieve aren't being achieved at this point, and that's hurting XRP. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys go out there, do your own research on that. I, I'm highly biased on Stellar at this point, so don't listen to me on it. 
but I, I do know how to set my, I like to think I do know how to set myself up for truce and for absolute truce. And, um, yeah, it's just, I had, to, I mean, I had to come to terms with it too. Like I have, I have a crap ton of XRP, you know, and there's some of it I didn't want to sell, but I sold a, a big portion of it and I kept, I kept, I kept a nice sum of XRP, but not a lot, not as much as I have a seller. And the only reason I did that is because I expect XRP to, to be labeled a security. I hope I'm wrong because, you know, that's a lot of money down the drain. Uh, but I, I want to hold just as a hedge just in case, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm rooting for y'all, but it's one of those where you have to be honest with yourself. Got EOS at eight fifty seven. Got Stellar at thirty four cents. We got Litecoin at eighty six dollars. We got Cardano at seventeen cents. Got IOTA at ninety nine cents. It's interesting that Cardano has slowly kind of crept up. They're about half a trillion away from Litecoin, so I have a feeling they're going to take Litecoin here pretty soon. Litecoin continues to go down as well. I think I think it's very interesting to see that Stellar is still pumping at this point, and it, it's going to be interesting to see what what Coinbase what the action is going to be when Coinbase adds it. Like it's, I hope it, I know for sure it could get to a dollar for sure, but any higher than that, I don't know. It's just hard to gauge. Um, Cardano too is another one that I really don't have it high on my list actually showing up onto Coinbase here anytime soon. But if it does, if it's, it's one of the five, but if it does, you could see an increase big time with Cardano. I feel like their use case is very low at this point, but I think in the very near future, they could kind of roll it out very fast. Uh, we got Tron at three cents right now, taking 11th spot. Um, it's interesting to see that Tron just is not giving up, man. It's one of those cryptos that, you know, it's time to put up or shut up and Justin Sun just is not giving up. Uh, I admire that. I admire that for sure. You got Tether, not Tether, fuck Tether. We got, we got 143 for Monero. Monero is another one. I was looking at a year over year for Monero and it was literally at $65 last year. Man, we saw it get as high as 321 this year. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Monero's at 143. Yeah, I like I like me some Monero. We got Dash at 243. Ethereum Classic at $16. Look like, look like Ethereum Classic's kind of Moving up there, Tezos at $2.08. I really want to do a show on Tezos. I want to cover that and see what we can learn about them. Zcash at $2.28, up 4%. Yeah, I bought some Zcash because it's kind of one of those where you just kind of have to kind of have to hedge, man. Uh, I feel like that's the best way to conquer crypto, in my in my opinion. Uh, I noticed that whenever, you know, I have one, one crypto and I have another crypto, I always hedge, man. If I have Monero, then... You're damn sure I'm going to get Zcash and you're damn sure I'm going to go on a dark horse and pick up Verge, right? Because that's just the way I am. Um, it's it's just one of those where you just want to hedge. Um, Dash is another one, too, where I hold a little bit of Dash, but it's not it's not much. But it, it's it's one of those you just want to hedge everything. You want to hedge everything. Same reason why I hedged, you know, Stellar with uh, Ripple. Same reason why I hedge Ethereum. And well, actually, I don't hedge Ethereum. <laughs> That's literally the only. It's literally the only one I don't hedge. It's probably because I just look at them as boss, like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Well, Bitcoin I do hedge with Bitcoin Cash, but it's like one of those where it's like, you know, I love Bitcoin so much. <laughs> Believe me, guys, I was at a point where I was going to buy some Bitcoin diamonds. You remember that? Remember that was that happened last at the end of last season? Where I was like, I want to get me some Bitcoin diamonds, not because not because I thought they were real diamonds, just because it had Bitcoin in the name, man. Like, I'm so like, ugh, like that. Trust me. Don't actually don't trust me when it comes to shit like that. Don't follow me down that path. Go away. Go away. Don't follow me on that. No, but seriously, like it, it's just a hedge. Bitcoin Cash is just a hedge for Bitcoin. You never know, man. You never know. And then you have uh, Neo. I guess Neo would be a hedge for Ethereum. I have very little Neo, but honestly, I don't see Ethereum losing to anybody but Cardano. <laughs> and, and yes, I could hold some EOS, but. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to hold any EOS. I don't. I mean, I have a little bit, but it's not much. I just don't want to put too much of a big stake into EOS right now. I feel like next year I'll get into it. I'll not get into it, but I'll, I'll, I'll maybe I'll jump into it. I don't know, man. It's just these days you're not enticing me EOS. I don't know what to say. I know there's a lot of people that love EOS. I'm just not one of them, unfortunately. I'm just not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want. I want them to get everything shaked out, man. Shake it out. Get everything out. Get it, get it solidified, then come back and talk to me. You got 0x at $1.19. 
Zero X has kind of taken a tumble. It's back up 5% today, but it was at $1.30, dropped down to $1.10. Now it's at $1.20. We see it kind of fluctuating a little bit. I'm bullish on it, man. After looking into it on Monday and just kind of hearing about it over the over the couple months that I've been watching it here on the on the coin talk segment, like I realize the potential now and the fact that there's only 536 million of these, that makes it even more enticing to me. Um, but yeah, that's that's one that I, I expect some $30 coins here pretty soon, in my opinion. Um, I think that's where we can get it. I think it, I think it's going to be very much a $20 token by the end of the year. That's just a get to me that if everything goes is right and nothing nothing comes out of left field for the rest of the year, I think we can see zero X up there for sure. Um, we got BitShares at 20 cents. BitShares is one this and, you know, honestly, when it comes to like EOS, this is one of the main reasons why I'm so like just not over enthusiastic when it comes to EOS. And it's because of Dan Laramore, man. I feel like. We've heard him speak so many times, and he's just met her. He's just he has a different way of approaching his, uh, his 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 reaction when it comes to talking about a project. It doesn't really get me enthused about anything that they're building, and uh, one of the main reasons is because I look at BitShares and I'm like, yeah, Dan Lamar built that out with Charles Hoskinson, and now it's just a twenty cent coin, and yeah, I guess. And then I look, I keep going down, I look at Steam, and I'm just like, yeah, Dan Lamar helped build Steam, and. It's just a dollar fifty four token, and and yeah, and and those are all great platforms, and I'm sure they're going to be built out and everything. It's just eh, I don't. There's really you're not enticing me when I look at that. At least when I look at something like you know, and I hate to keep bringing up this project, but look at something that's stellar. I can look at I can look at what Jed built. I can be like, well, shit, Mount Gox fucking blew up, right? And then it, it actually tanked the whole thing down, but it wasn't his fault. It was it was, it was off to somebody else at that time. Then he went out and did Ripple, and now fucking look at Ripple. <laughs> like you know, it's just kind of one of those where it's like, this, everything this guy touches goes up, you know. But when I look at something like, you know, BitShares, I look at Steam, and then now I'm looking at EOS. I'm like, well, is it overbought? You know, is that what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I just know that. Um, I just know that uh, when I look at EOS, I'm just not completely sold 100 percent. Fortunately. I think it'll take time. I think I'll come around. I, I, I've come around on many cryptos over over the time. Tron was one I came around on. Um, uh, Bitcoin Cash was one I came around on. XRP is one that I came around on. Even NEO, to a certain extent, I came around. Even for sure, Zcash. Totally came around on that. Um, so I, I definitely will come around to it. It's just it's going to take some time. So sorry, anybody out there, me hating on EOS all the time. It's not intentional. It's just that I need more proof in the pudding. <laughs> if that's still a thing. It got bat at 33 cents. I don't know, bat. You're not looking, you're not looking like you're gonna show up on Coinbase. <laughs> I, I can I can totally tell Stellar's gonna show up by the serious pumps, but even zero X, I can tell, like, oh wow, that looks like a serious contender. Even Cardano to a certain extent, a certain extent. And Zcash, of course, but when I look at Bat, I just see it still kind of flapping its wings out there like like there's just not a lot of movement there. So that that me, I'm a big believer in insider trading. <laughs> I don't think insider trading is going on. I just feel like people's lips will move and stuff will come out and people in the know will know and they'll buy and buy and buy. And the only thing that I see been bought this past week is Zcash and Stellar at massive gains. Everything else has been kind of in the middle. So that tells me that Stellar and Zcash are probably on their way. I mean, it doesn't hurt that the partnerships are going on, but still, it, it's it's a good sign, right? Uh, you got status at seven cents, so status finally making its way back up. Pundix at three tenths of a cent. This is one that somebody sent me an email on. They're like, "Hey, can you review this on the show?" Man, eighty-seven trillion. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know if it would be worth reviewing on this show. Pundix. Uh, this is one of the reasons I didn't want to review Ken Ken Kencoin on here or Ken. Because it was like 756 trillion. It's like, oh, what's the point of that? Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I hold some kin, but it's like, uh, do I want to really schlep some some really awful token on people? I guess I could, but I'm, I'm waiting for mass adoption, man. I need the followers to show up for something like that. Decentraland, now that is one that I am looking to get some more of. We got Decentraland at 13 cents, up 8%. 
Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna become very bullish with Decentraland here pretty soon. <laughs> I can feel it coming. And we got Zencash at twenty nine dollars, and we have the Drapil Drapil at five one thousandths of a tenth. You know, it's interesting that we have all these older tokens, even Funfair for that matter, that are back here in the back one hundred, and they're just there's not a lot of movement in them anymore. They're mostly used for pump pump and dumps these days. It kind of sucks. Because there's some good company here, but I feel like these are all like a year away. Like one that I'm really looking at is Hollow. Like this is one that I'm really looking at, but I feel like this is like a, maybe a year away from actually doing anything serious. Um, but they are this hot token that they're building. It, it looks legit as fuck. It's just so far away. But this is one that I have my eyes on at number 88 that I'm watching. And right now, if I got in right now, I bought like, I don't know, a thousand of them. Or you can even buy a lot because it's like eight one thousandths of a tenth per hot and if you were to buy some of these of course it would go through the roof as soon as it gets on bitrix but it's on binance right now i'm looking at it i'm debating whether to go out and purchase some hollow just because uh, it's one of those where <laughs> the circulating supply is ridiculous but it's also one of those where i know there's going to be a need for this later on and um just by the engagement in the community and the amount of people that are working around it i feel like you know, something like that will scale. Because once you get a community behind a token, it's very easy for it to scale up. It's just the truth. That's how we saw Verge coming. That's how we saw Tron coming. That's how we saw Stellar coming. That's how we saw Cardano coming. It's just, you look look at the network, look at the engagement, look at the community that's being built, look at who's actually going out there, see if they have a front man out there, basically, um, doing all the talking and listen to them talk. And that's how you'll know that's the next coin. It's very easy stuff. It's just that people... Don't tell you these things. They keep it all for themselves. But Hollow is one that I'm definitely looking at. That would be, if there ever was a dark horse that I gave you, like early dark horse, it would probably be Hollow, honestly. That would be Hollow for sure. But uh, it's at eight one thousandths of a tenth. I think if you were to hold it and they keep continuing the way they're continuing on, I feel like, shit, it could turn into something. It could very much turn into something. With that, let's get into our main topic. Today, we are talking a decentralized future. What does that mean? We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. This is a topic that I've always wanted to discuss. This is why I love Wednesday's podcast, these thriller podcasts. I love these out there theories, this what could become kind of ideas. This is what I look forward to. And uh, a decentralized future is one of them. Let's do it. Main topic starting now. simple man so I sing a simple song I've never been so much in love I never hurt so bad at the same time I am a simple man and I play a simple tune wish that I could see you once again across the room Like the first time I just want to hold you, I don't want to hold you down I hear what you're saying and you're spinning my head around And I can't make it
Before we start, let's understand what a centralized future is. Everywhere you go, every place you seek, every website you visit, it's all single serving. It's all a single serving centralized future, a single serving centralized everything. Ridiculous stuff that you buy on a single centralized marketplace with a single centralized future. The people that you meet, the single serving friends, the people that you interact with online in a single serving centralized community. At the beginning of the internet and until now, there's always been a single centralized future. But fuck that. Is there more? All right, I think that's it. I guess now we can begin. Almost every aspect of our life is routed through a central clearinghouse before it reaches us. Our money is dispensed through banks. Our electricity is controlled by power companies and the web pages we access are filtered by Google. However, massive security breaches, transparency concerns, and a desire for tighter control of personal information are pushing people to design different ways to interact. Behind the scenes, a group of hacker activists have been working on this problem for decades. Call them cypherpunks, call them heroes, call them our last great hope. Dreaming of a world of composed of millions of devices connected in a transparent yet privacy protecting network, a place where everyone has access and can contribute a blockchain, a distributed ledger which records interactions between people, offer a mechanism for decentralization, transparency, and security. First, we have Vitalik talking about the advantages of decentralization. First of all, I wanted to point out that decentralization in general is not a new idea, right? I mean, we've uh, had human civilization for over 10,000 years, and over the last 10,000 years, Lots of di we've had lots of instances of centralized things, centralized systems, centralized companies, centralized governments, centralized cities, and we've had lots of inst instances of decentralized things. And I mean, these are just some instances of decentralized applications in the software industry in the last 15 years. But really, it's also important to point out that you know even before we've had computers, even before we've had IT, you know we've had Various, various instances of uh, decentralized economies, decentralized ways of interacting. So if you just look at one particular example, just look at the insurance industry, for example. You know, right now we have large insurance companies, and if you have insurance, you generally have insurance be either because it's some national government program or because it, you're buying a service from some insurance company that sells insurance as a product to a very large numbers of people. But the way that the insurance industry started in many cases actually was, you know, groups of people coming together and saying, okay, we each have a ship, and if any one of our ships sinks or gets captured by a pirate, then we all agree to cover each other's costs. So, you know, decentralized models in, is something that's existed for quite a while. Right now, if we look at the software industry in particular, you know, we've had BitTorrent is just one example. You know, we've had decentralized networks for sending files from one computer to another. And if you look at email, it's, uh, in, in some ways, it's a semi-decentralized protocol. You know, you can access email through Gmail or through, you know, Microsoft's email or through some other email service. Or theoretically, if you really wanted to, you could set up your own server. Um, we've, uh, you know, if you want to download some file, then BitTorrent is one great way to do that. And, you know, it's, in fact, we've even, you know, it's something that a, a lot of software developers even use as a primary way of distributing data that they produce to their users. Right, so you know, if you use open source software packages, generally the developers don't even have the resources to actually set up and maintain the infrastructure to centrally upload and send their software to tens of millions of users. And a lot of the time, they even use decentralized networks as a way of solving the problem. You know, if anyone's ever downloaded Ubuntu, you you know that you know the 
they really try and push you toward using a decentralized network and basically instead of downloading the software from them, downloading the software from your peers. You know, your users become part of your network. And you know, even at the same time as they download the software, they help kind of pass the software along to their friends. So that's also a model that um, a lot of major game, uh, gaming uh, providers use to uh, distribute patches, distribute updates to their games to their users. Um, it's um, a paradigm that gets used quite a increasingly for uh, messaging, um, for storing files. So it's something that you know, has already been used for quite a while, right? Now, 2009, Satoshi Nakamoto came up with the idea behind Bitcoin. And here, uh, you know, finally, he's come up with a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system, right? So, you know, computer scientists, cypherpunks, lots of people have been interested in these ideas of decentralizing things for quite a while. But for... Um, the one, one major application that they've had a really hard time with is actually money, right? So, you know, they figured out how to do decentralized messaging, figured out how to send files, but currency is this one application that, for reasons that I am going to get into, ended up taking them quite a long time. So, you know, back in the 1980s, back in the 1990s, there have been various forms of kind of cryptographic uh, e-money, but you know, coming up with a version that doesn't rely on one central party to kind of manage the whole system actually proved to be quite challenging. In the early 1990s, a group of seemingly innocuous San Francisco-based computer scientists turned anarchists, hackers called themselves cypherpunks. They banded together to find digital solutions to protect individual privacy. They viewed privacy as a necessity declaring, we know that someone has to write software to defend privacy, and we're going to write it. Towards this pursuit, they pioneered ways for people to communicate, exchange, and exist anonymously online. Out of this pursuit came the blockchain and actual decentralization. This next clip is from Peter Thiel, and he talks about the future of decentralization. Uh, when one uh, talks about the future and uh, the future of technology, um, it's, it's always hard to know where this is going to go, where, where it's going to happen. And I think, uh, I think um, rather than start with the future, maybe it's worth just reflecting a little bit on the past and, and how people thought technology, computers, were going to develop in the past. And I think um, if we look over the last uh, 60, 70 years of the computer age, there were very different visions people had of of how it would develop. And uh, if you sort of go back to, say, the late 1960s, people had a view of uh, computers as being the sort of powerfully centralizing force, that uh, you'd have sort of large computers, large databases that, uh, that, that would run the planet. It was, it was sort of the um, science fiction movies, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. You have sort of a computer that's running. It's a little bit too powerful. It's HAL or IBM, one letter different from, from the computer in, in, in Space Odyssey. Um, there's an there's early Star Trek, original Star Trek episode where they, they come to this planet, uh, Beta, where um, there's a computer that's been running the planet for 8,000 years. And uh, it sort of runs the whole planet. The people are kind of peaceful but boring. Nothing ever happens. <laughs> and, um, and as usual, they, um, the Star Trek people, they, they don't follow the prime directive and they sort of c convince the computer to, to, to destroy itself and then you know, history begins again. But, uh, but that was sort of the future at circa 1968. It was that the, the computer age would be massively centralizing. And then if we uh, fast forward to the late 1990s, uh, people thought of computer technology as, as powerfully decentralizing, that uh, uh, the information age would break down um, very large structures. And this was certainly linked to um, the fall of uh, the Soviet Union, and um, you know, the dissemination of information. There wouldn't be a single centralized source of truth. It would be much more diffuse. And, uh, and that uh, you'd have sort of this very decentralized crypto-anarchist future. And that was, that was sort of the future of the world circa 1998. And uh, if you then fast forward to 2018, um, somehow we're back to 1968. We're back to thinking that the computer age means ever more centralization um, in the form of, you know, 
large companies, large governments, large databases. But what I think this history tells us is that we should at least realize, since the pendulum has swung so wildly from one end to the other, we should at least uh, be open and we should ask this question, is it really going to be ever more centralization or could it, uh, could it, go, uh, could it also go the other way? Um, and certainly, um, you know, if, I was, if I was betting on it, uh, my, my sort of contrarian bias at this point would be to bet on decentralization because the pendulum is so far in one direction, I, I tend to think it can only uh, go, go the other way. And you can, you can sort of frame this in terms of specific technologies. Uh, so I, I think that in some ways AI, artificial intelligence, which is this very ambiguous word, it means all these different things, but it, it, it certainly stands for more centralization. It stands for the computers, the databases, knowing more about you than you know about yourself. It's like the, it's like the God of St. Augustine. It's completely inside you. It's completely outside you. It knows more about you than you know about yourself. Um, and, uh, and that's sort of this powerful, centralizing uh, vision of the future. Um, but then um, I think the alternate technology would be something like uh, crypto and, um, and all these uh, technologies that, that suggest there'll be more room for privacy, for individual sovereignty, for, um, for things going very much the other way. And uh, sort of, if you want an ideological formula, you know, if, if, if crypto is libertarian, which is the way it often gets described, then uh, we should also say that AI is communist. And, um, and you know, the easy way to see this is the, you know, the Chinese communist uh, government loves AI, it hates crypto, and, um, and it's because it understands that it is, that, you know, these the, the future is open, it's a choice, and uh, these different technologies can push it very much, you know, in one direction or another. But I think, you know, I think this general theme of are we heading towards more centralization or decentralization is one that uh, we sh it's worth thinking about a lot. Despite being still in its early stages, blockchain technology boasts incredible potential. And that potential comes with major flaws. And I mean that in the best way possible. Globalization is a real thing. And if corporate companies are attacking decentralization at the neck, then that puts us at risk. Here's Andreas talking about this very possible outcome. Globalization, as it is understood and practiced, is nothing more than good old-fashioned colonialism. Only now it's not delivered with force, it's delivered with financial embargoes, it's delivered with financial controls, it's de delivered with coercion that implies that if you don't play along with the games, you get cut off from the US dollar, you get cut off from the SWIFT network, you get cut off from access to international banking, you get cut off from the IMF, you get cut off from access to international commerce. Globalization is not something you and I readily participate in. It is something that multinational companies and powerful countries can use to set themselves outside the law, to arbitrage jurisdictions, to shop around for the most convenient, corruptible, lowest taxation environment where they can deliver financial colonialism wrapped as globalization. Globalization has a negative connotation among most people, because to the average person, all it's delivered is lawless corporations, exploitation, and tariffs, ironically. What cryptocurrencies do is they change the nature of globalization from something that is inherently centralized and available only to the most powerful, the most disinterested and distanced corporations to you, directly, as individuals. Not all of us. For the time being, just the few who are fortunate enough to have the education, the access, the capital to participate. But every day, more and more people can use cryptocurrencies to achieve a decentralized 
form of globalization, one that allows individuals to shop around for jurisdictions, to arbitrage between currencies, to pick the law that serves their interests. And until now, the only way individuals could take advantage of globalization would be to physically move. And in order for someone to leave their country, to take their family across borders, to go to another country where they are not welcomed, where they are treated as second class, where they are discriminated against, the only reason someone would do that is desperation, survival. Globalization is refugees. But what if you could leave your currency system without leaving your country? What if you could become an international participant in commerce without leaving your country? What if you could become a multinational corporation of one person? I know that sounds ridiculous. But part of the reason why governments are opposed in many cases to cryptocurrencies is because of the power it gives to individuals to behave like multinational corporations. For many people, this technology is too strange. The idea that no one controls it, that you can have rules without rulers, that systems can be simultaneously anarchic, meaning without leaders, but entirely predictable and rules-based. That you can have a system of currency where I can tell you what the interest rate will be 30 years from now, to three decimals of precision. But I can't tell you what the interest rate will be for the US dollar next Friday, because that's going to be decided by 12 people I didn't vote for. That has plenty of rulers but seemingly no rules. And we're suggesting replacing that with something that has no rulers, but very, very, very strict rules, mathematical controls. It's beautiful. It's times like this when I realize that there's a big, broad understanding that something big is happening. It's just hard to predict its economic impacts. No one knows. We can all guess and speculate, but inevitably, our bets will overshoot. That is going on in crypto right now. We are at the start of decentralization, and it's perhaps a vindication of this underlying technology's importance. Let's look forward to a decentralized future. Let's get on to the end of the show. I've got another confession to make. I'm your fool. Everyone's got the chains to break. Holding you. Will you bother resist or be abused? Is someone getting the best, the best? 
these days when it comes to crypto and it comes to blockchain technology and just decentralization, everything, I'm just so hopeful for the future like I've never been before in my entire life. I'm so happy that we're around at this time, this era. I don't want to stand on the sidelines. I don't want to watch the planes go by. I don't want to watch the wheels go around. I want to participate. I don't want to just watch everything happen. I want to build. So buy Bitcoin, save the world. See you next week. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Killer Podcast with Carr Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Carr said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go, do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto and not Carr. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world. One Satoshi at a time.